Welcome to the Remembering Ethan podcast. I'm Chris Tafoya. I hope everyone had a happy holiday and a great start to the new year. I enjoyed my break with my family and uh, celebrating the season. And I also took some time to think about Ethan on December 29th by listening to some former episodes and also thinking about him all day. It's hard to believe that three years have gone by, but it still feels very much to me like he is here and with us. And I'm excited to come back with the last three episodes of the podcast. Today's episode is going to be my third and final roundtable with the band Capital Down. They were one of Ethan's cover bands, and they were probably the, one of the most uh, sought-after bands there in Phoenix for a while because they did such a good job live, and it was really fun to watch them. They had a really good time playing with each other, and it was obvious when you saw them perform. Um, it's been really interesting having these roundtables with Ethan's band because as a fan, I would go and watch them, and I knew them all individually. But to get an inside perspective of what the band was like having Ethan in it has been a real special treat. I appreciate everyone who's been involved in the roundtables. And just like the other roundtables, I will also post a video of our conversation on the Facebook page. So the remaining members of Capital Down are Alan Chadwick, Mike Hill, and Mike Mercier. And all these guys have been on the podcast uh, once or twice, and it was really cool to get their thoughts and stories and memories of being in Capital Down with Ethan. So here's my conversation with the band. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, welcome to the Remembering Ethan podcast. I'm here today with Ethan's former bandmates from the band Capital Down. And I've got Mike Hill, Mike Mercier, and Alan Chadwick with me today. And they haven't had a lot of time to talk because they haven't seen each other. And how long has it been since you guys have seen each other? Uh, I saw Mike Hill in October. Yeah, you guys are way better. I, I kind of dropped off the radar a little bit. I think I saw uh, Mercer at uh, an acoustic show, I don't know, five, six years ago? 17, 18, like that, yeah. Wow. It's been a while. Yeah. It's good to see you guys. How are you doing? You too, man. <laughs> do this more often. <laughs> I know we should do this. Uh, yeah, last night um, I was telling the I was telling the mics, Alan, that we did Tate last night, and it was really cool to see all of you guys together, remembering Ethan and your time in that band. You know, and it's a really cool experience to do that. Um, so thank you guys for taking the time today to talk with me. No problem. Thanks for having us, man. Of course. It's a pleasure. Of course. For doing this whole thing and just uh, this entire Ethan's, you know, extended group, keeping track of it like this. It's really nice of you. Yeah, for sure. I I just, just like you guys, I love them so much. And he did so much for me more than he even realized or would have ever admitted. And it's the least I could do to kind of keep it alive, keep him alive a little bit and, we never, we never all got together to celebrate his life, you know, in person. So this, this hopefully can kind of be a substitute for some people with that. Mm. So, um, you know, throughout my journey so far, talking to all these people, it was like so many interchangeable members from so many different bands that Ethan had. I mean, it was, he was in like 40 or 50 projects or something like that. Same for you guys. You guys played in a lot of different things. 
Uh, Mike Mercier, I know you, for the most part, have done a solo thing, you know, and um, you had Leo's Invention and Capital Down. Were those pretty much your main, um, two main bands that you had aside from your solo acoustic career? Yeah, when I when I lived in Arizona, that was it. Those were the only two bands I ever had. Right. Okay. So it's a little different for you, but um, tell me about how this capital thing, capital down thing, came to be. Do you guys remember how it all got yeah. started? I mean, I remember how I remember it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Of, I, I pestered him for months, months, maybe even years, to to play in a band. I just remember you guys, you and Ethan both came out to, uh, I was playing at Teakwoods. I was doing a gig there. You guys came out and uh, I kind of just like, I, 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 I didn't really know who you were, but I could, I had that sense something was up. <laughs> <laughs> I knew, I knew there's some musicians in the crowd, you know, you can always tell. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, you came up and uh, I, I, you know, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't trying to do a band thing at the time. Uh, so maybe, maybe once or twice more, you kind of just called me up and, uh, and then one day I remember I was out playing golf. I was on the golf course with him, with a friend of mine and, uh, I took the call and he told me about this gig that was a really high dollar. And I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> it was like a, it was a corporate gig for like, uh, it was stupid, but it was like 800 bucks a guy. For like wow. two or three or something like that, and I was like, "This is the kind of shit you call me with." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that that was like the first and the last high paying gig we ever had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, if this is gonna be like this all the time, man, let's do it all the time. How about you, Mike? Hill? How do you how do you fit into the equation? Yeah, man. Well, through you, Chris. Um, uh, I remember that uh, you passed my information on to uh, Alan. Um, and I think at that time I was, I was, I had never really done, um, a, a busy working band scenario prior to that. Um, my, my, my thing was mostly just kind of playing in original bands, slugging it out in the local music scene is an original thing. And, um, I was kind of looking for, my band was taking a rest at the time. Uh, and I was just wanted to play and, and get out and do something. And I think Chris, you passed my name on to Chadwick and then, connected from there and then I think I saw um uh with Tate at the time I think it was it was just Alan you Ethan and then Tony um and I went to go watch you guys one night and uh I walked in and you guys were playing Rage Against the Machine I was like yeah I can do this I think I could do this <laughs> uh, and I think it just kind of went from there I think that was literally like not too long before uh Mercer you came on board so it was it was kind of all happened pretty closely i think timing wise right and what what years were you guys active i know towards the end of capital down um like ethan got busy mike maybe you had some other there was a lot of subbing and stuff like that going on but if you had to peg down a year uh what year was uh capital down active from what year to what year i think about this all the time i can never it always seems like when I, when I think it was, it wasn't then because then I'll see like Facebook memories or something. I'll say, oh man, it was way earlier than I thought, you know, or then, uh, what, Alan, do you remember when it like ended? Was it like 2012 maybe? Or? Yeah, that's about right. Maybe, maybe 2006 or seven ish, right around there to 2012, something, something like that. Um, oh, man, that's, a long time. that's a yeah. decent run. Yeah. It's five, six years, something like that. 
I always, yeah, I, I always think about it. I always think about it from what girlfriend I had at the time. <laughs> <laughs> like the, it's like your your girlfriends are the rings in your tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have it clocked at 06 to to 2012. Pretty sure. Um, man, so it was a pretty longer, solid six-year run-ish around there. Man, when we. When we played our last gig at um, Fibber McGee's, no, Rulabula, Rulabula, yes, yeah. Rula. Uh, oh, we used to we used to strain all the places we played. We strain all their names together, like Cactus Lucky Fritter Jack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it was just a, it, it was a different address. It was the same shit in every every building. <laughs> same idea. But yeah, that last Rulabula gig, man. That was like, uh, man, that that just. That was a rough one, man. I, I uh, yeah, I had, I had emotions that night, you know, just walking away from this thing that we all put all our energy into. I think it was the first band that I mostly booked, you know, for good or bad. But wow, that was that was an epic for my my life. And was yeah. that for me too? Was that a moment for you, Alan, where you know, kind of like one of the nails in the coffin of your music career type of thing. Were you at that point? I feel like you told me at some point at the end of Capital Down, you kind of had a feeling that you were moving away from that a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> my kill is responsible for me learning how to be a software developer. Right? I showed up Kokomo <laughs> Joe's one night and I think he got a new yellow Jeep. And, awesome. uh, you know, I'm still, I'm still riding my old, you know, 2001 Frontier around. And, uh, you know, it was just another Kokomo's Joe's gig. We've been doing it for 10 years or something off and on with some band. And and I'm just like, man, nobody's there. I'm like, oh, I got to do something, man, because uh, breaking up with a, a girl and how to buy her out of a house. And uh, so, you know, the, the the bills were coming due. And I'm like, how, what do you do, man? Like during the day, because you, you don't pay your bills on this shit. Like, <laughs> No, and no, he's no. working these long days and showing up at night and having his dinner, you know, his liquid dinner with protein shake there. And just it just knocks it out of the park every night. And uh, he's like, well, I, I program. I'm like, all right, I guess I got to do that. So then I started going to Reno with these big old long programming books, you know. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember uh, I remember you were getting kind of tired of it, Alan, because especially when you started when you started working full time. And then like Friday afternoon, you'd get out and it was like rush home, put all the gear in your truck, go set it all up, play all night, you know, and it was usually, it was usually both Fridays and Saturdays, at least sometimes on Thursdays too. And I can imagine that getting, you know, just firing. And so uh, another thing with Chris, you mentioned earlier that, uh, that towards the end of the band, we started having substitutions, but I mean, that's putting it mildly. It was like <laughs> it was, it was just, like a, it was like a snowball rolling down a hill. It just wouldn't stop me. <laughs> for me, for me, I had I always had fun doing the band, and I you know I wanted to continue, but I I knew it was like the beginning of the end when. Uh, so Alan had had uh, one of his first programming projects, his software uh, writing projects was to make this uh, like a database <laughs> with all of the musicians in the city. And you put you input like all the songs you know and what instrument it was, and then he'd like he'd post a a gig an available gig and it was like first come first serve, and then it would like 
it would it would make a set list from whoever was going to be playing on the you know from whatever their song list was. It would put them all together and you know here's the common songs you have. And that was a set list. And I remember one night I think it was that Pepper McGee's. I didn't know shit. I walked in there and fucking. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know one <laughs> other player there. It was like a drummer, a guitar player, and a bass player. And I'm like, oh my God, no. no. I forgot about that. That was so brutal, man. <laughs> that was so brutal. It was just like sit in city, man. Yeah. Oh, How did it get go, Mike? I think I think one time me and you, Mike, we were playing some casino gig and we just looked at each other and we're like, no more fucking subs, man. <laughs> <laughs> we just we were doing something and we're just we looked over and we're like, fuck that, dude. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure these guys are great players and all, but man, this is just not working. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I think unfortunately Ethan was and myself probably had were subbed out the most. Um uh, I know that Ethan was, Ethan started getting busy with other projects, and um, I think he was kind of the first one out of the four of us that we had to start subbing out um, first, if that's how you guys remember it. Um, I remember like kind of, you know, of more bass players than anything um, after Ethan got busy with his stuff. So, um, yeah, and, and, and after that, it was still great playing. The project was still there. The core was still there, but it was different without Ethan. I mean, he, as everybody knows, he provides, you know, an unmeasurable amount of um, things brings to a gig, whether it not, not just his playing, but his, um, yeah. you know, all of everything that he is. And, it, and if he, when he left, it definitely made a difference for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I we had for bass players too. We had, uh, we had like Jeff Barbary was great. Shane Martinez was great, and then that Brandon guy. He didn't really fit in with us so much, but he he played great and he could sing and stuff. And uh, I mean, we had some we had some good bass players, but yeah, for sure, uh, without without Ethan's um, personality, you know, it it, uh, it was limiting. And he also sang lead on a bunch of stuff too, so it definitely. Uh, I mean, anytime you have a core band like that, when you start selling, it's gonna it's gonna suffer. But uh, but for sure, it was it was way different without uh, you, the band was never gonna be the same without him. Yeah. Do you guys remember? I think <clears throat> there's a lot of freaking amazing gigs, but there was one particular wedding gig in Tucson that we went to, and it was a really nice resort. It was beautiful. They put us up in nice rooms, and we just slayed the living crap out of that gig. And at the end of the night, we encored like 10 songs we barely ever played. And it was just, I felt like that was like one of our peak moments with, with, all, mm -hmm. with all the guys. I remember the gig, uh, but I'm, I'm also confusing it with a Flagstaff wedding one. There was a Flagstaff wedding one that we did too. And I'm, I'm, I've done both simultaneously. Yeah, uh, they could go in any direction. That, that was the one I remember that we were teasing the, <laughs> we were, we were jamming on the mic a little bit. Uh, you know, Mercer here, Chris, all of our bands, we talk about changing the lyrics and stuff, but Mercer is the king of, of <laughs> lyric substitution <laughs> under, <laughs> under every circumstance. And him and Ethan, uh, they, you know, it got to the point where we couldn't play the original version if we if we tried to. We don't remember. No, I always remember. I always remember. I mean, I, I appreciate that, uh, but I, I remember it was it was like a competition between me and Ethan. I'm always, uh, 
it was always just like one one up and one up and the other one always. So it came a lot from from him too. Uh, there was another one. Ooh, I don't even know the name of the town. It was like out in. I can't remember where it was. But it was like by a. It was at this resort by a pool. And, uh, uh, prim, prim Nevada outside of Vegas. No, no, no. This is a wedding. This is a wedding or a birthday party. Maybe it was a birthday party. And it was in Arizona somewhere, like up in kind of like I don't even know on the on the way to what. Like I guess near on the way to like Kingman or something. It wasn't. Yeah, we friend. did one in Wickenburg. We did a wedding. in Wickenburg. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that was a wild. That was a wild one too. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you. And I think uh, like, the funny one was the funny one was something about uh, uh, something about the what something about the whoever the uh, the guest of honor was was her birthday or a wedding or whatever it was, and uh, basically that she was a whore. Is that how? It, <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, what and the dad, the that? dad was the only one who her dad was the only one whose ears perked up. Like, what was that now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was looking at the floor. I, 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 I was waiting for us to like for everybody to rush the stage and beat us up. <laughs> like nothing really happened. Remember, <laughs> what was the name of that place? Uh, that Scottsdale Quarter. Um, you know, I think the last gig we showed up. There's chains in the doors or something. We didn't get a last Prime. jack or something. Prime bar. Prime bar. We got out of control there. Uh, Candace has a cell phone footage of me just laying upside down. You know, jamming out there. <laughs> it, would get, it would get so ugly, and they would, um, they preferred it. Like they, they, even the bar management people were like, when we showed up, like, gonna be like last time, right? And we're, like, just, no. <laughs> we're gonna get sloppy. <laughs> yeah. In fact, that wedding, <clears throat> that wedding in uh, in Flagstaff, they had showed up there at Fine Bar, and kept on lining up shots of uh, of some kind of Jameson or something, some kind of whiskey. And that was our like that. They told us after that was the audition for their to play their wedding was could we get if we you know, could we play, could we play shit face and like the right band for that, ladies and gentlemen, you better uh, <laughs> open up that liquor bar because uh, I think there was one. I think there was a, a Reno, Nevada. God, that's a whole book in itself. Um, um, there was a Reno, Nevada gig where we get dollar drinks like whatever it is a shot whatever it's a dollar right and we go to pay our bill at the end of the night at brew brothers there two hundred dollars so between the band and company which wasn't more than like three or four other people that's how much damage we did i mean they always <laughs> always yeah uh yeah it was like that we were, we were that was our band that was kind of our thing it was fun though man i had the best time of my life Crazy. I still, I mean, I, you know, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know a shit ton of people around here, at least to talk about this kind of stuff with. So I, I just go walk through the woods and talk to myself about it. And I remember those <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Well, you know, to, to pony back on that, you know, I, when I would go see, and we had kind of talked about this last night, Alan, you know, when I would go see Tate, um, you got to, you know, Ethan was part of changing up the lyrics a little bit and having a little bit of fun with it. And Todd would just kind of stick to the lyrics, but it was still fun. You guys still had jokes. It was still funny. Ethan was still there calling people out and, you know, doing his thing, orchestrating the circus kind of thing. But I remember when you guys finally got together and gelled and I went to go see you the first time, I remember thinking, 
these guys could like book themselves as a comedy act as well you know and it seemed like i think what made it work is that you were cracking each other up so much they didn't even really care if the audience was in on it or not like you seemed like you guys are having so much fun that it was infectious you know and so the audience would have fun as well um how did ethan fit into that dynamic with you guys there i mean we already know from all the podcasts that he had you know a huge personality and humor and stuff like that but do you guys remember you know the the type of humor that you would share or some of the some of the things that would crack you up on the stage that, that we can, that, can talk, that you can talk about <laughs> i mean yeah, i, I he just, for one thing, and I remember I listened to Alan's uh, solo uh, solo interview, the solo record, his, his Ace Freely record uh, interview uh, before, and Alan had touched on the fact that, like, even when you showed up, even if you weren't in the mood, like, a lot of times I would show up and I had already played a happy hour game or whatever, and I just was like, nah, you know, whatever, I'm tired or whatever, and uh, just Ethan would be like, you know, Fuck it up, man. We're playing music. It's party time. Let's go. And you just, yeah, you just get you right back into it. Um, and uh, he just he just had that uh, infectious kind of boost for everybody, you know, no matter whatever's going on in your day, you're going to have fun tonight. We always did. And actually, you know, about this band, too, that was another thing. It was always, to me, and I think to everybody, like, uh, it was like I, it was like hanging out with our buddies. It's like, oh, cool, we're playing tonight. That means we're gonna, you know, we're gonna get to hang out with our bros tonight, like that. So, um, but yeah, Ethan was always like uh, from from the get go when he walked in. It was always like, ah, I got to wait tell you about this story about what happened last night or what happened uh, earlier today or whatever like that. And that was always a good uh, springboard for the night. It would. You get you get to a gig, you'd be all burnt out, beat up for whatever. Just you know, fourth gig of the week maybe. And uh, he'd be right there, just like, let's let's do it, let's go. Positive mm -hmm. attitude, ready to lay it all yeah. out. Sure. Yeah, I, I would I would come from like my you know work, my shitty job, and um, so my head's just in a completely different place, you know. And you show up to the gig and you see Ethan, and he like immediately puts you into this place where, like like you guys said, like it's party time, it's go time, let's do this, you know. So he had like that gift of just like getting you getting get your mind right and let's go you know <laughs> definitely yeah um and you know it's it kind of like the same thing i was asking last night with tate it was like i i would go you know randy and i we worked a lot and we were always busy but our bread and butter were the happy hours you know so by seven ish eight we were done and we used to go, we would go see Capital Down, Tate, you know, all, all the stuff that you guys were, but we would go watch other bands too around town. And that's not something you guys were doing because you were even busier than what we were doing, especially Ethan, you know, doing three, four gigs a day for years and years and years. But um, you were very unique and compare, and Randy and I would talk about it all the time. Like, man, anything that, any band Ethan's involved with, it's just so fun to watch these bands, you know? And in, so in your mind, you know, compared to the small amount of music that you saw on the scene that you may have happened to catch or the musicians that you knew, what do you think it was that set Capital down apart from all of the other cover bands, I guess, that were going on in the scene there? Because you would draw a huge crowd. I mean, 
you guys were super popular. I'd hear you about you on the radio, see the newspaper, you know, uh, where they were always advertising when you were performing. So what do you think set you guys apart from the other bands in the scene at the time? <laughs> I want somebody else to take this one first. <laughs> I mean, I, I I kind of always saw us as the bastard child of the local uh, working band scene. <laughs> you know, it's like you had like the 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 serious bands, and then you had us, and it was like you know, <laughs> I I'm I, I don't know. If that's kind of how I saw it. We we pretty much just played on stage however we wanted to, even when we got hired for weddings. And stuff you know even when we got hired for weddings we still brought what we did to the wedding you know you hire us you're gonna get what you get um that's kind of how i see it i don't know how you guys see it or remember it that's a great way I to put it that's agree. exactly it yeah I, th I think uh we didn't really take ourselves so seriously all the part at all you know and one of the things that really helped the band just kind of sail through was that uh it, nobody took it too seriously. Nobody was, um, there wasn't really a leader of the band. You know what I mean? Like I would book us book stuff and Alan would book stuff mostly. And uh, you know, whatever book first was fine. And and nobody like got mad because, you know, whatever stupid shit band guys get mad at each other about, like it just was never a thing. You know, if people were late or something like that, we weren't, nobody usually was. We were professional enough to keep it, you know, to keep it professional. But like nobody, there was no real ego in the band, really. It was one of the most the low tension, low tension situations I've ever been in. Like we never had to sit each other down and be like, we don't think you like Prince as much as <laughs> yeah, Prince no. like Prince, you know what I mean? Um, that, that weird conversation where you, you know, the musicians are like, I don't think we're aligned on what we like. It was just, we do it, we know what it's about. And uh, it was it was equally for us as it was to to make a living. And I think once I did start working, it it definitely released some of that tension of like, oh, I I need a, a music career. Um, so we just milked it for everything it was worth, and uh, it was it was pretty damn fun. And I think it I think it worked for the audience because uh, you know not that not that other bands were stuffy or anything like that, but uh, we really didn't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> there's something to be said for that you know like we've yeah. we've all just been on stage for so many years at that point you know uh and, and we we did our stuff too it's not like we fell apart um very often um, most of the time we were just in the pocket jamming delivering the goods on a regular basis yeah, no, you know everybody was solid enough like you said we've been doing it for a long enough time so uh we could pull it off yeah that's a good answer. Yeah, now that I think back to it, um, that was one of the key defining, you know, scenarios for you guys. Other bands that we would see, uh, you know, they would have their very organized set list or they would stick to the tunes, maybe a little bit of banter between the songs. Um, but now when I think back, even with Tate or a lot of a lot of projects that Ethan was in, but especially, you, I mean, you guys were like, super, dude, I always crack up when I'd watch you. But now, now you know, hindsight, being 2020 and all that when I think back to it it was just you guys were just doing your own thing and it didn't really matter like I said earlier you know if the audience was with you or not and that was unique because most people that be performing in the bands like they care like how are we portrayed do we sound good uh worried about if people like us or not are they going to come back and watch us and well then, we, we did care about that stuff too we wanted to sound good obviously right um but like look, for instance 
when you were just talking, it reminded me that like, like let's say, uh, you know, if I'm singing and I just hit a clunk or whatever, you know, just a bad note or try to try to do a, you know, a high note and cracks or whatever. And, uh, you know, it was never, ever like, like that. It was always like, I'd look over to either side to Alan or to Ethan and they'd just be crying, fucking laughing because it was so, they knew it was embarrassing for me anyway. They didn't need to give me any more shit. They just thought it was funny that I, you know, that I would embarrass myself in front of everybody. Well, that yeah, might, we've all, we've all done that. That might be the answer then. And I think that your nonchalant sort of approach to it translated. You know, and probably why you guys were successful for so long, you know, and it lasted so long. And I know there were just uh, gig upon gig upon, what, what would you say, maybe hundreds of gigs? Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah, easy, easy. Okay. So, and it's all, and I never get a definitive answer on this. So I never ask someone because I'm curious because I performed with Ethan just a handful of times. So I, I have in my mind what was my favorite gig, which gig wasn't my favorite, et cetera, et cetera. Jokes that he would say on stage. But I realize it's all kind of a blur because it was so many years of him joking and, you know, that kind of stuff. But are there any clear memories or recollections of a, of a particular gig? I mean, you kind of mentioned earlier that wedding that you played that was that was fun. Um, and then on the flip side of it, uh, gigs that were kind of shitty or, or, or that went bad for you. You remember anything like that? Either one of those? I mean, there were always highs and lows. I think the good ones were our regular, uh, I want to say Skeptical Chemist was a fun one. Mm -hmm. uh, we would do good there. The Irish bars. Um, was Fibber McGee's on Dobson there? That was a fun one. Oh, we had a couple That's of New Year's there. Oh, we had some epic New Year's. Boy, did we have some epic New Year's. Like, we did two New Year's there. And it got to the point where I was putting up a flyer that wasn't even us anymore. It was just like an ABBA cover band. <laughs> I would just put our name on it and be like, New Year's Eve. Um, no, it was just, it was silly. And, you know, the, the owners uh, of those places and the management and the staff, they were all in on it too. And they just, uh, yeah, it was so, you know, effortless. And people like to go there and go to go uh, watch our band play. Uh, I just want to, I, I just got reminded of a time that, uh, of a train wreck though. It was when we were playing in Reno. And uh, somebody, but Mike, unfortunately, you weren't there. Tony King was playing with us that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, Vinnie Paul was downstairs at the crack table gambling what? at the casino downstairs in the bar. Right. Yeah. And uh, somebody went down to go get him. And just, hey, you know, we're playing upstairs, blah, blah, blah. And like five minutes later, he came in. And it was the very first night that we were playing. It was a Monday night. And we hadn't had a sound check at all. There was no sound check at all. And here he is, and I think <laughs> I was, hey, what you know, what do you want to hear? He's like, I don't know, like Stone Temple Pilots, and I was just sex type thing, and we had never played that song. I, I still, that was the only time in my entire life I've ever sang that song. <laughs> and you, like Tony, just dude, started it, and we didn't know it. <laughs> that is that is exactly something we do, right? Like. It was a complete fucking train And Ethan, Ethan, I remember looking at Ethan to my right, and he was just like, literally tears coming down his face because it was we all it was just so fucking bad. And we're playing in front of our you know one of our heroes and stuff, this famous guy. Like, oh, what a nightmare! And then at the end of it, Tony King is like, 
I did my part right. We were all over the place. Didn't know when that when that changes came. It was a it was a nightmare. And, yeah. Oh man, yeah, that's a that's a good one. And did Vinny say anything to you guys, or you just kind of walk away? He, I, what I remember was he, he just like he, we waited till the end of the song. He's like, "Good one, guys." See ya, and he just walked out. Yeah, I gotta go gamble. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember if that was before we we sponsored him with my amp company or not. No, that was his brother. Yeah, so that 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 poor dude was at a trade show right after his brother died. Yeah. And my amp company was playing on a loop a video of, of Dimebag and he was signing an autograph and you know in hindsight it was just terrible. I didn't plan it or think of it but uh he 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 approached us and he's like, "Dude, stop playing that video in the background." I mean just you know, he's hearing his brother's voice in a video in the background while he's signing autographs and it was just kind of oh, yeah. Um, but I can't remember if that was before or after uh, his brother. It was after. It had to be years after. When we when we saw, well, I mean, yeah, when we saw Vinny, Dime, you know, Dimebag had already passed away or whatever, so. Yeah, okay. He I was in that Hell Yeah band. They were playing. Hell Yeah was playing uh, the next night or something. And Reno, wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the Reno stories are going They're on. They're hilarious. They're fucking great. They're hilarious. I, I remember the, uh, it, it was before the Hangover movie came out, but Mercer had a, uh, we we basically replayed the Hangover movie where in, in the morning we got together, we we did breakfast or something. And we're like, so what'd you end up doing last night? And, and the Mercer would be like, well, I don't know yet, but this is, this is what I remember and this is what happened. And then throughout the day, he would talk to people. We'd, we'd meet up with people we were with last night. He would talk to his girlfriend at the time. And and throughout the day, the story just kind of slowly pieced together. <laughs> and I don't yeah, know it was like, it was like watching thing, a Quentin Tarantino movie, and like, <laughs> okay, at four in the morning, I had a conversation with this person, but then at eight, this is fucking over here, and so I'll get the pieces together like a like the, the strings up on like a. On a, on a board, board <laughs> the, the way I remember it was like he couldn't figure out why his jacket was all sticky on the elbow. And then finally, at the end of the day, it was like, oh, yeah, I slipped on some freshly waxed floor in some casino and all his army crawling through. through the I, was to to, I was trying to go to the bathroom and they just watched, they just waxed the floors. It was like an inch deep of wax and I was flapping around. And like a, like, what, you know, I give, what I would give for that security feed, right? If we could just go and, and buy that, that would be the best thing ever. Uh, I, I always thought that you know I, I did go do a Reno trip and um, when we would go out of town that it's like Ethan became larger to me like he he like his stature grew larger you know because he has the stature in town that he plays gigs and everybody knows and then when we'd go travel it's like Ethan would just be like not like lose control but he would just be like more Ethan you yeah. know and he was just like the stories that came from that and the experiences from those trips, it's like Ethan just got bigger, you know, like he just became more of himself and uh, on stage, off stage, when we would, you know, socialize afterwards or whatever, it's like he just did his thing, but he did it even more. Um, that's what I remember about a lot of those and going out of a, town stuff. There was a, a Reno music scene 
and a lot of bands would would show up for the the traveling band and and you know hang out drink support us and we'd get them on stage and stuff but uh of course you know ethan was like best friends with everybody in that scene immediately because you know it's so gregarious and uh you know knows everybody could get a gig in any town he walks into yeah what was the guy there was a guy for that band uh he's a bass player you know ethan played left-handed but with a with a right-handed stringing upside down and uh and the other guy was a right-handed guy so they would they would use the same bass and like pass it back and forth. So one guy be wearing it, and he'd like flip it upside down, and then he'd go and play, and then he'd flip it back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's yeah. let's pony back on that. You know, when when we're now that we're talking about Capital Down and your time with Ethan in that band, stuff like that. What what uh, memories or images uh, come back to you when you when you think back to the time that you spent with them in Capital Down? You think back? Hey, remember the uh, remember the uh, aircraft carrier gig that we didn't get? You know what's funny, Alan? <laughs> <laughs> there was I wanted to tell the story. It doesn't really it doesn't really involve Ethan though. But I, I for some reason when uh, when when Chris uh, said that we were going to do this thing, the one story that popped into my mind had something to do with that. Uh, and I might as well just tell it. So when we go to Reno. <laughs> There's two guys in each room, and most of the time it was me and Alan Chadwick rooming together. And uh, this particular time, this guy, the same guy, we don't have to mention his name, but he was hiring you guys to be his backing band for some original uh, gig that he was doing. And um, you guys had, you guys had done some stuff before and had trouble getting paid or something like that. So anyway, so I was in the room and you were on the phone with the guy. Alan was on the phone with the guy. And I just remember like just overhearing the conversation, but only from Alan's end. But I could still tell what was going on on the other end. So this other guy is like, <laughs> oh man, it's gonna be great. Your Red Bull's gonna be there. There's gonna be cameras gonna be on, gets me televised. Also, and Alan's like kind of slowly, softly beating around the bush about how much money he was gonna get paid. And uh, he's just like, oh, so, uh, so you know, what's the deal? And the guy's like, ah, oh, you know, again, Red Bull. And he just kept on saying what a great opportunity it was going to be. But, of course, only for him. It's not going to be a great opportunity for his backing band, you know? <laughs> and so it goes around and around and around. And each time it goes around, Alan's getting more to the point. <laughs> so it went from, it went from uh, you know, yeah, so what's the deal? So uh, each guy gets uh, gets how much or whatever, and uh, what, what's the cut, and how's that all work and stuff, and the guy wouldn't answer them. And finally, Alan just loses it, and he sounded like Chris Tucker talking to Jackie Chan, like, how much Alan Tucker getting paid? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, money. But Ethan, Ethan used to, like, tear that guy up. Like, whenever he had a chance, he would start, like, singing his song you know <laughs> you start yeah because well here's i never even heard that guy's songs but i feel like i knew him because we, ethan would like sing the riffs to me so often that i would sing them back and I, like if i ever heard the song like wait a minute i know this one <laughs> yeah that was a, that was a good one. so we would we would uh we would show up with instruments like little travel instruments we'd set up our regular thing and then <clears throat> somehow play some extra songs or learn some extra songs you know, use use some of the time we we weren't gigging to uh add a couple of songs to the list and we'd get together 
Mm-hmm. Ethan had that little travel travel guitar we'd bring. Um, one of the other, uh, well, we had gone to Alaska with Ethan one time. We went twice, but Ethan only had gone one time. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I wish, I wish, Mike, I wish you'd have been able to do that, but it, it was like a three week thing. Like, who, who can take three weeks? Oh, that's that's right, Mike like, go either. That's like the entire, uh, that's the entire vacation package for any freaking normal office job. <laughs> you know yeah. Mean? I tell you what, I'd go now. Well, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, I would but, too. I thought, about, I thought about hitting Muffsy if they're doing any acoustic stuff over there. You you were there in spirit, that's for sure. And uh, <laughs> we, we weren't any different there, except for we would we would get there. Uh, 2007 and 2009 uh, are the dates I remember that we went. And um, we would, on the back of the, the front PA speaker, there'd be a, a set list fucking knocked down. And you just fucking add a fucking Sharpie to that fucking set list. And I don't know what it was, 70 fucking sets. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and every time you got off, you're like, Jesus. There was. <laughs> One time the yeah, power four, went out. Four hours a night, hard partying, hard, hard rocking. Um, hard partying afterwards, because we'd have the houses right across the street. So, like, you know, oh, people, yeah. from the bar, people from the bar would all, they all knew, you know, because for them, it's every, every weekend they go party with the band after. And so, like it or not, there's a there's a party at both those houses. I think I think Ethan only went in 07 and um we brought Shane in 09. Yeah. Shane yeah. and Tony. Uh I remember, I don't know if yeah, it had to be 07 that uh Mercer and Ethan would uh, if they didn't want to start out doing Jägermeisters all night and they wanted to like back it off a little bit, we would we would play a trick and we'd put um like warm coke in a shot glass. And, and they'd put a couple of them, they were blocker shots. They'd put a couple of them on stage to let people know, hey, don't drop up any shots. I got one. I just haven't yeah, done it yet. You yeah. know, like, they, were like, they were like, hey, the queue's full. It's cool. We got shots. It's all good. Don't got to put any up here. And then I think one night, uh, Mercer was like, uh, fuck it. It's time to drink. So he drank the warm Coke so it would like clear the deck. Get rid of those fake shots. You can get some real yeah, ones. Up we're, on ready, we're ready now. You guys can start buying shots. We're ready now. now. <laughs> we're ready now. Yeah. There's so many of those good, those good ones. And those travel gigs are always, you know, not many bands get through those. Uh, it was always a, a treat. Oh, we always give uh, a certain booking agent a hard time. Like every, like without fail, at least once or twice a night, we we call this guy out like, Hey, how much is that shot? You giving ten percent of that away to somebody? Oh, is it? Yeah, that guy. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, yeah. Mike. Did Mike? Did we? Did we plumber butt you? I was. I was bragging about that with with Tate. That me and Ethan would just uh, pull our pants down and ass crack for a whole song. Yes. Yes. Did you I got that plumber too? butt. From both of All you, right. for sure. Ethan was really good on making sure, um, not just not just the people were being entertained out front, but the people in back were being entertained just as much. Everybody, it's a and that was usually just show. that was usually was, most yeah, of the two shows going on that night. <laughs> <laughs> he was really good at keeping everybody entertained, including us uh, on stage and myself, even though I was behind him most of the time. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's your kids. Sure, 
I remember your kit was so cool. Like it was a little bit more flat um, at that time. I think that's all popular now, but uh, that thing looked so cool. And you were just like, like half of you was just above the drum set, you know? So it was like, you were real, yeah. you weren't hidden behind the whole, you know, Tom Sawyer setup and shit. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. And it was also like, I mean, playing with Ethan, you know, we obviously felt like we could make it pretty much through any song, even if, if we didn't know it, if he knew it, we could get through it for the most part, you know, um, it, even if he had to sing it or whatnot, we could, we could always get through it. Um, I think there was numerous times where he would be like, just follow me, you know, and, and we kind of just go with it fearlessly go with it without worrying about, Oh, we don't really know the song, but Ethan knows it. So we'll just follow him. That kind of thing. And also he, he has such a, like a, you know, that whole positive vibe thing where like, even with the train wreck, it didn't matter. You know, it, it never, yeah. when you, because I did a lot of duo gigs with Ethan too. Mm -hmm. And well, he always say, follow me, but he plays guitar. Like he plays bass, like upside down. And like, I can't follow that. You know, you know, mm -hmm. a decor does not look like a decor when he's playing it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it would be a mess but we just kind of laughed it off and it didn't matter you know just like you like you said earlier mike uh we were having a good time so the crowd was having a good time mm -hmm. yeah yeah you know ethan always attracted a lot of people to him whether it was positive or negative attractions you know like he had some people like a couple of situations where you'd have to deal with i guess for lack of a better word a stalker yeah he's a oh <laughs> yeah and did that, that was, stuff, uh, did that stuff ever spill into capital down i mean do you have any crazy fan stories all the time i mean <laughs> when i when i first got into capital i'll i'll even i'll let alan tell it uh, or mike if he remembers too but um it, it had already been a thing with this uh he had this girl that was like, I mean, certifiably should have been locked up crazy. And he, uh, he kind of, you know, he didn't, he didn't really know how to say no, you know, to, uh, he didn't really know how to set up boundaries. And so, I mean, he got really, really invasive and, and troublesome and kind of frightening for him. Yeah. I remember he, he had, uh, he, he, and he wasn't able to change his phone number. Uh, you know, like this, this person would keep calling him or trying to get in touch with them. And he wasn't able to change his number because everybody had his number. And that's how he got work because, you know, all these musicians and all these bands had, had his number. And if he changed his number, he would lose connection with a lot of people calling him to get gigs. Right. I, I, was, also, I always thought. Sorry. Yeah. I was just gonna say also he had I remember he tried to uh, block her number multiple times and he would block her number and she would literally get a different phone number just so she could call him again. Yeah. Wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he he it was I remember many times he was super frustrated, like you know, he had to deal with this situation. But like Mercer said, I mean he was in the beginning, he's just so nice and genuous to everybody. Um that, you know, some people kind of you know, who are prepared to deal with that, you know, he, that was one of the things that he had to deal with is because he's like that. Some people were just, you know, go gaga over him. And, and that situation was, didn't turn out that great for him, but um, yeah, yeah. It was many, many, many like skeletons in the closet that he had in that sense where he was dealing with personally, but he never made you feel like he never came out and was like, God, my life sucks. I'm doing this. You know, he would always be like, 
telling you the stuff he's dealing with, he's had the smile on his face. Like, you know, he was always <laughs> positive about this, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just like positive about it. Like, this is crazy, right? Yeah. It's like, he's never, he was never down. You know, mm. you never saw him down about it. Um, he just, he just dealt with it. And, you know, after years of playing in bars and stuff, uh, we've all experienced, you know, the drunk person who would come up and harass the band or demand to hear a particular song. Unruly fans, I guess you could categorize them. How did you guys deal with that kind of, with that aspect of it when you were performing? I mean, would you? I, I mean, it's the same way we've been saying the whole time. We were just, we were impervious to that kind of shit. Because mm -hmm. uh, we were, you know, <laughs> we would just make fun of them. We would just completely make fun of them and, and you know try to embarrass them. And do you remember sarcasm? Like, do you remember any sarcasm? Any specific situations? Uh, well, there was. We were playing a pool party, Mike, and and um, some really innocent kid. I mean, it was actually a, one of the better situations where they were calm and they weren't all over you in your face and stuff, or, or demanding you play something or do something. And uh, I don't know, I was just so, so sarcastic about it. And I would just say things like, oh, really? You play guitar? Really? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> oh, oh, you were in a band? Oh, oh. Wait, your band broke up? Really? That never happens. Like, what is <laughs> I, I remember, maybe this is even the same time, but it was at the, uh, it was at that hotel pool. It was like a wave pool thing, like on, I don't know, July 4th or something like that. It was really hot out in the morning. We were playing a morning gig and everybody's kind of hung over. And, uh, and this guy came up and started talking to all of us. But then like the rest of us kind of like peeled off slowly. <laughs> and then, then left Alan Chadwick to, to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we had a, a fun one going there. We'd, uh, we'd call some of the girls attention minors. You know, because they would just—it would just be flash of the pants. It would just be like, "Oh, look at me!" You know, talking to the band and stuff. And you know, we would we would identify them and be like, "Ah, right, you know, <laughs> X day." Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there was one. Did what? Did we get the notes? That was us at uh, Skeptical Chemist. I have a picture somewhere of somebody writing drunk notes on a napkin, making requests. And, and one note would just say, you guys suck. Next note would be like, oh, you're awesome. Can you play Leonard Skinnard? You know, he's spelled out <laughs> crazy. Then, the next one would be like, all the notes, you know. Or something. It was just the most random stuff. Like, it's the first live band he ever saw in his life, and he'd had too many to drink. And so he was just <laughs> writing his little secret notes. And then I lined them all up and took a picture of them at some point. <laughs> one, uh, one, one thing I just you reminded me of, uh, I still I still use it now. It's one that Ethan kind of gifted me. Was uh, it's annoying when people put like you know girls will put their purses and stuff on the stage. They'll think it's their own or the coats or whatever drinks. They start piling shit on the stage. And once one person does it and they see it's okay, they all think. so one night somebody put their purse there and Ethan just bent down and grabbed it and started going through it and saying like Oh, you got some medication in here too. What's that all about? <laughs> to this day, I still use that one. So <laughs> let's see what you got here. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh man. So would you say would you say Ethan was the first one that started um, 
subbing out the first one that started like getting involved in other projects because he said yes to so many things. I don't know Actually, if it was no. Ethan or I, I may have put some hooks in there early to just say, hey, let's spin this down a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I know I know it was like mutual. I know that he would have if it was like full steam ahead, we probably just could have kept going. But I, I think I was getting burnt out and, you know, working. I don't know how Mike Hill, I don't know how you keep doing it, like uh, gigging at night, working <laughs> in the day, man. That that 2012 to 14 when when we did that country band, uh, I don't even know. I don't even remember. I just, I just remember I never slept. Um, mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think we started subbing, subbing the bass quite often. And then we all just kind of, well, I mean, I wrote an app to just all purpose cover band, like all, all hands alert. There's a gig <laughs> opportunity, like email all the freaking players and there's the set list cross, you know, checked. Yeah. But, but Mike, I mean, really, when the band started, it was kind of like we'd go between you and Tony King playing drums too. So I guess that kind of counts as as coming out. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony and I definitely shared gigs with 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 the band. Um, I, yeah, but I I do remember like um, there was a point to which I know Alan, you started working and and I think that the gigging. I mean, we were, there was a couple years there where we were like full steam. It was like every weekend. Okay, we're playing, you know two nights for sure, Friday, Saturday night, and maybe there was a Thursday night in there. And then I know that we kind of slowed down with the gigging um, just because it was getting to be a lot. And um, and I think Ethan kind of recognized that and he he kind of put the feelers out because he's a work, he's a hustler. He goes out and he works. I mean, he's like you, Mercer, you know, you, you guys work a lot. Uh, and and he just started putting the feelers out and just saying, well, okay. Ethan Ash, Ethan Ash asked him to be like a full-time member because they're, uh, they're basically moved away or something. And he, I think he came to all of us and kind of asked, or maybe, you know, one at a time and asked, uh, like he said, look, if you guys want to keep doing this full-time, I'll, I'll stay and, and do it. This is great. But if, if it's not going to be all the time, I'm going to go and do this thing. And I think, uh, we, you know, we all gave him the blessing at, at that time. I think the app had already been created at that time. So, <laughs> uh, I think it's probably good that maybe you do, uh, you know, set yourself up with something else, right? Now. Yeah, yeah. That, that sounds about right. That that's that makes okay. sense. Yeah, that answers my question because I was always kind of curious, um, why could you know it, it was so effortless when you guys were playing together and you did have such a good time and you were so fun to watch. I always wondered what it was that pulled Ethan in other directions, you know, why he didn't keep rolling with it since you guys were having so much fun. But Mike, I think you answered it when you talked about, I didn't realize that um, Easton Ash had approached him playing his band. And then, you know, Alan, you kind of started working. So maybe Ethan was like thinking that he could get involved in another project where he could get more gigs or something like that, I suppose. Yep. That's, yeah. That sounds about right. That's I remember that last, that we were having sushi before Rula Bula that night and, well, you know, everybody was just on the new things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Very cool, man. I mean, you know, six years is a pretty long time for even a... Yeah, you know, that's true. For, for a, a, you know, any band to stick together, let alone a cover band with, uh, with its core, original core members and stuff. So I think we had a pretty good run. Mm -hmm. And I attribute that to the same thing. Like, we just uh, didn't take ourselves too seriously. It was fun. It was fun the entire time. Even when we get tired of it. Right. Yeah, that's true. I remember my first like original band, 
we'd we'd uh, you know pay fifty bucks a, a member to uh, be part of the SureGuard storage rehearsal, you know, yeah. in the summertime, the dead of summer, you know, banging it out. Uh, and I remember I did that band for a year before the Chadwicks kind of took over. Um, and then that lasted for forever too. Okay. Yeah, we had a good time, man. Capital Down was like, uh, uh, it was, that was a, that was a party band. Do any of you yeah. have any videos from that time? I mean, I know it's more rare for us from back then to have videos because phones weren't a thing and that kind of stuff. But um, do any of you have any of that that maybe we, you could share with me that I could post or not really? I got a couple from Prime Bar. Um, I have the Alaska recordings. I have a surprisingly large amount of uh, full sets recorded from Alaska. Really? Because <laughs> they had that really nice soundboard. Oh, everything, all of its glory. I'm sure it's some of the lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> it was off the board. Um, there's, yeah, there's something or pictures or something we could we could definitely share. I'll, I'll look through my files and yeah, see what I got. See what you have. You know, you know Tony found an, an original Ethan song. Um, looking forward to hearing that. Uh, I mm -hmm. lost the hard drive. I've, you know, had tons of Pro Tools sessions with all the musicians in town and uh man i like formatted a drive one time but i didn't know it was plugged in and oh that was disappointing but i still have it like if i ever want to forensically put the bites back together but that was a sad moment when i lost all those songs yeah, yeah and, and uh capital down um you know we were at that weird we from 06 to 2012 was that weird period be before social media really took off you know, like 06, there wasn't really any social media going on. You know, right. I mean, Facebook was not really doing anything. There was some MySpace. And then in those six iPhone. years, in those six years, the growth of social media kind of came to be to what we know it now. So by the time 2012, so we, we kind of missed out on a lot of like friends coming to shows and like popping open their phone. Like you see now, you know, you but see videos from bands. IPhones in the beginning then either. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Mike had, Mercy, you got the first iPhone in Alaska. We sat around you like it was the first television in the world. We just yeah, like, what's that do? What's that do? Yeah, I remember that too. I yeah. was standing in line and I paid like, because I got it the very first day it came out. And I forget how much it cost, like 700 bucks. And then like two weeks later, like, all right, we're going to lower the price down. Like, you know, 300 bucks. Like, what? <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, I, I remember like, uh, Alan, you and I both like were into making flyers and into making like little, uh, uh, I guess like web flyers or whatever, little ads to send out to people and stuff like that. I've never done that since. <laughs> Not for yourself. <laughs> I know Hill gave you a, a really good website and got that going, but it's fun to like promote, yeah, things, yeah. you know, just put the flyers up, make a new one every week or whatever. That was fun. Yeah. I definitely think though we we missed that point to where you know people would just shoot videos of bands and right. and just post it on Facebook, you know that kind of happened towards the tail end of Capital Down, so we missed opportunities. Well, I mean we didn't miss anything, but it's just that was before all that happens is what we see on social media now, which is so normal. See your friends' bands being filmed, and um, so do documentation wise, as far as video goes, I think I don't think we have a whole lot. Anyway, to, mm, no. you know, you know, you know who uh, filmed one is Daffire. Oh, um, you, can, Dana. you can find it on YouTube. There's like 
a really good version of us. And it was like the one time we hired a light dude for like this small show. Uh, there was like uh, Easton Ash's light guy would pick up a couple bucks and take some lights to it. And so there's like this YouTube video up of us playing uh, good times, bad times. I, 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 it was like us in our heyday, like just nailing it, just killing it. Yeah. Wow. That would have been that would have been when the uh, uh, the Alaskan guys came down because they were like scouting scouting new bands, and we wanted to make a good impression on them, so we got the light guy. Yeah. Sal, Sal, and uh, I don't know one of the other guys came down. They they saw us like what Cactus Jacks and well I just got that yeah. that YouTube link you sent to Alan I'll post that to the Facebook page so people can check that out that's awesome Mackie. I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out yeah well guys that I really was, that was a fun song I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today about Ethan and your time in Capital Down and before we get close to saying our goodbyes or anything I mean are there any last minute thoughts or words that you want to share or any kind of things that you want to talk about your time with Ethan and capital down, or do you feel like you covered most of what, what you were thinking when you came into this, is there any leftover stuff in your brain? Uh, I just, yeah, I got one more. Um, when uh, we were going to that prim Nevada gig, Alan, uh, <clears throat> I think, I think Mikey weren't there either. Mike Detto was playing drums. <laughs> we were, we were on the drive. We were on the drive on the way there, and uh, I forget exactly how it happened, but like a, a motorhome, like a Winnebago, like cut cut you off. Like you were you and Detto were in the truck together, and me and Ethan were in the other one. And uh, without any communication whatsoever, we both we everybody acted exactly perfect so that we we blocked that guy in so he couldn't move. <laughs> like, no communication. Like we sped up and then you knew exactly what we were doing and we like totally boxed the guy in and then slowed down so he couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we were we were nothing short of a gang, you know, a musical gang. And then when you yeah. got there, it was that, that that Blue by You song or whatever you guys were laughing about. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a better that story never really comes off as funny as it really was, you know, like the actual that, memory of it. That's the thing, is like it's 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 a i don't know a custom version of spinal tap you know like capital down was spinal tap and we knew it at the same time we yeah, just, yeah we would play it to the hilt um i know you know what something i forgot to ask before because i feel like one of you or someone has told me before where you got the name capital down from but where how did that <clears throat> how'd you guys land on that for your band name i've always wondered that too actually this is going to be good uh information for me man i don't even i I probably, I probably did it. I probably, you know, band names is, is a ceremony for every band. That's a rite of passage where everybody talks about things and does stuff. And then you just end up with a name. It's not like anybody had a meeting and called it good. Um, I probably brought that one in capital down. I don't know if it was a video game or a capitalism down, but then like, cause I was kind of political, but like, I'm not doing any politics in the band, so it doesn't really matter. So. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it was, it, it worked, but could have been anything. Cool name. I always like the name. Yeah. Maybe it rolls out the tongue. <clears throat> a movie came out not too long after you guys uh, stopped performing together called Capital Down. And I remember thinking, oh man, that's cool. You know, it reminded really? me. Yeah. I, I wonder if they used the, uh, Alan had made that, um, 
when we left Reno that time, you made a, I, I forget what it was. It was like some Seth Rogen carrying out uh, Dave Franco and there's like a big explosion in the background. Alan, remember that? You put our, <laughs> you put our yeah, we, we made a meme where like a guy's like carrying another guy out of the fire, out of the burning torch of a fire. And, and that, yeah. every time we went home from Reno, we just, we were just dragging so much butt. Like we just get ourselves to the plane, you know, just... Oh, light yeah. a match and throw it behind you and just have the other places explode. <laughs> so, yeah, take no prisoners, man. We... <laughs> oh, man. Well, I think, you know, for me, with Ethan, it's just a constant feeling like he's a little bit still with me. Like, you, you, you can never take the time away that we spent together. You know, I love him like a brother. Uh, he was always such a smart, smart dude. And it wasn't like he just talked about music. Like he was up on politics. He always knew some philosopher. He had some, you know, he read, you know, he, he, he knew more music than I ever even studied. You know, he could play jazz and everything. He was just the depth of a human being that um, it was just always fun to be around in any situation. Very true. Sure. Yeah. When yeah, it's, it's, it's it's hard to like quantify the effect that he had uh, on you and in your band. And then not just if you got a chance to play with him, but also just being in the scene and seeing him out. Um, obviously, Chris, your your podcast has done amazing things for making sure that people remember how how amazing he was. And, um, you know, and it's all true. I, it's I think that it's 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 really hard for me to even quantify these days living here in phoenix tempe scottsdale knowing that he's not out there gigging yeah. you know because he was always gigging and it's even now a couple years later it's just like you think back and you're like man you know he's not out there doing his thing anymore that's really hard to think about um because you just always assume even as the band ended the years after you knew that he was out there playing somewhere Ooh. and um so that 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 kind of um, it's just something that I think about every now and then because I'm I I play out and I just knowing that he's not doing it anymore is kind of one thing that crosses my mind and and your podcast Chris has been really really awesome in in helping uh, the rest of us kind of remember and 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 not forget uh, how uh, you know the impact that he made on on a lot of people so right on man thanks for your words dude appreciate it. Yeah. For uh, for me, um, like not that I not that I forget that he's gone, but uh, it it's still just like it, whenever I you know something that's funny or something that's a good song or some good story to tell or uh, you know anything like that, I'm like oh, I gotta tell Ethan this, and like it's a knee jerk reaction that I have, like oh he's gonna love this this story, this joke, this whatever, and uh, and I was like oh, damn it, yeah no I can't uh, he. Uh, that's part of the void that he's left for me too. Yeah. Same for me, man. Everything that you guys just mentioned, you know, you know, I think the number one, I was thinking last night after the Tate round table, cause I asked them, you know, what do you guys miss about? And I was going to ask you guys the same, like, what do you miss about performing with Ethan individual? But you all just kind of already answered that question. But when I started thinking about it myself, like how would I answer that? if someone were to ask me, and I think that aside from my childhood friends that I grew up with, 
that I know from elementary school or my family, Ethan was the one guy that I could be around and 100% feel like I could be myself. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of people where you got to watch what you say about this uh, political situation, or you got to watch your cursing, or you got to watch what kind of subject matter you bring up, or, you know, we all have like a chess game going on with people that we know, whether we know them a lot or a little bit. And there was none of that with Ethan. I mean, I could 100%, even if I was going to do, say something shitty or say something nice or be an idiot or do something dumb. I never once had any kind of trepidation about doing it in front of him. And it was so, nah, he wasn't going to judge, man. Yeah. You know, and I think for me, that's what I miss. There's not a lot of people aside, again, aside from close people in my life where I can just be myself. Sure. But yep. Yep. awesome words, guys, man. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. I hope it was good for you guys to see each other. I know it was because you're oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> And, I feel like uh, I want to. I feel like I'm going to call all you guys one on one after this. <laughs> you know what? We got a. I know you guys have already done it, and I'm I'm such a stick in the mud. But one of these times, yeah, we'll, we'll we should do a reunion. We should just get a few people on stage from the old scene and just jam out a couple of tunes. You know, it's I'm good. sure some bar would have us, and it, it would just be fun. Yeah, man, yeah. definitely. It has to happen someday. You know, some sort of a gathering of all the people who loved Ethan and maybe maybe even people who didn't know him but all get together and just I don't Mike there Mike uh Mercier there and you too Mike because you guys jammed together last October right you were down in Arizona yeah yeah uh, and mm -hmm. Kathleen was uh was there uh Ethan's mom and she was so telling was, me about uh, so was his uncle uh his uncle Kevin came out too and Kevin was there yeah and Matt Tenner like a bunch of people so that was probably kind of like a a mini get together and celebrate Ethan a little bit. A lot of people who knew him and his mom. Being for me, that was the for me that was the closest. Uh, that was the closest to get to you know to uh, to a, you know to even attend uh, a kind sure. of memorial thing. When I found out that uh, Kathleen was going, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay, cool, because we can have a, at least a little moment. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. and it was yeah. I mean, like uh, all those guys came out too, and Tony King was there, and some other guys that I didn't know really well, but uh, I forget. Uh, there's two brothers that play and Ethan was playing with them too. Uh, ah, whatever. Anyways, one of those guys had come out and yeah, it was, it was really cool. You know, he was definitely in the room with us at Fibbers that night. Sure. That, that is what's missing, right? That darn pandemic, yeah. you know, I mean, can you imagine the, the gathering, right? I, mm -hmm. I still, I would show up in a heartbeat, you know, if, if an official kind of, Ethan Memorial happened, um, but I, you know, it's it's tough. Yeah. Well, perhaps someday, man. You know, we can make an official one happen, and all of us who are out of town now can get over there and just see what happens. Yeah, that'd be great, man. That would be great. Are you doing this, Chris? It's so nice to do this podcast. Of course, man. Yep, uh, it's it's a pleasure, and I've enjoyed every every mile of it. Thank you guys for talking with me today. I miss all of you. I love all of you. And uh, I look forward to seeing you again someday in person. Good to see you guys. Yeah, yeah, good good to, see guys. to see you guys. Take care. I'm going to hit you up, Chadwick, soon. Please, please do. <laughs> yeah.
was really great to talk to those guys again. And um, I do appreciate them taking the time to share their recollections of being in a band with Ethan. And I'd like to thank all the band members of all the bands that um, I spoke to in these three roundtables. It was really nice to see all of you and uh, to hear your thoughts and memories of Ethan. Please make sure to join me next week when I'll be speaking with Kirsten Newman. Kirsten and Ethan uh, were married, and although they didn't have a whole lot of years together, their relationship was very special. And Kirsten shares some details of their marriage and their time together. Um, So make sure that you return next week to listen to that because it's a great episode and it was really nice talking to Kirsten. I'd like to leave you today with a cover song that Capital Down performed often. It's uh, one of their favorites and one of my favorites as well. And Ethan just really does a great job on the bass in this song. So this is Capital Down's rendition of Stink Fist by Tool. And I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for joining and I'll see you soon. Bye.